All right. Uh, Sean Brackett must be pretty bored because he texted me and was like, don't you need some slides? Uh, and I was like, sure, we're talking about kayaking. And so I sent him a picture of Kylie, that's my daughter, and he puts it in that, and I was like, that is awesome. Like, such a cool picture, so not what I'm after in today's sermon, but I definitely want it. So it came from this picture because I love kayaking, and kayaking to me is like a four-season sport. I realize most people only do it in the summer. However, um, I do it all the time, and this was in November. I do it so much that I didn't even think when we went camping that I shouldn't bring my kayaks until we put Kylie out on the ice and <laughs> realized that we weren't going to kayak very far. Uh, so uh, we even do kayaking for dates and, you know, to go see a solar eclipse, anything, any excuse to get out on the water, that's us. So as soon as my kids could, we were teaching them how to kayak. And these are the kayaks that you teach them on, right? They're just kind of a little bit smaller. And the first thing that we did when we taught them was you tell them to sit in it. And you got to sit in this and then I need you to rock back and forth. I need you to rock until you can feel where it is that you can go this far, this far without capsizing. Get a real good feel of that boat itself, right? And then the second thing we hand them, of course, is the paddle. And the first thing they do is set it down. And you're like, no, you got to hold on to this, right? This is something that you keep in your hands and you don't let it go. And, and then you start talking about how to use it. And the first thing they do is they go like this. I don't know why every kid does that. So you gotta tell them, this is how you hold it, right? And, and you put it in the water and this is gonna push you forward, right? And now, and now I gotta tell you, you, got, you gotta steer, right? So you start by pointing off in the distance and you say, okay, we're gonna go to those drums over there. Now, if you wanna go to those drums, you're gonna have to, a little bit, you're gonna have to paddle left. So you gotta, a little bit of left will get you going off to the right, right? And you, and you teach them all of these things. You teach them how to use their paddles. You teach them these things. Um, and so you can imagine my joy and elation when I was reading Hebrews um, for the first time in a really long time, and I came across Hebrews 2.1, and it says, so we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard, or we may drift away from it. And I caught the word drift, and I was like, kayaking's in the Bible! Yes! I knew God was speaking my language, right? Um, and so I started kind of letting that word drift, like, sink in to what I was meditating on at the time. And I just really thought about, well, what does it take to drift? It, nothing. <laughs> Literally nothing, right? If I'm doing anything, I'm no longer drifting. So all I've got to do to drift is let go of the paddle and sit. And I started thinking about that, like, in my spiritual life. And I was thinking, huh, so what is drifting in my spiritual life? Drifting in my spiritual life is something I do when I just kind of stop. When I let the movies say their messages, and I just let it in passively, and I don't say, wait a minute, is that a message I really want to believe? Is that what the Bible teaches? When I'm not a critical, analytical thinker of all of the messages that are coming into my mind and my heart and my life. When I'm not teaching my kids how to analyze the things that are coming into their life, right? I just stop for whatever reason. I could be tired. I could be tired of it. Um, we stop going to church. We stop gathering together. We stop getting together in small groups. And 
we stop reading the Bible. It's just a matter of stopping, and pretty soon we'll find ourselves drifting. And the thing about drifting is that drifting takes you wherever the wind and the waves and the currents want to take you. It's not a wonder, oh, hey, I just stopped paddling and I ended up over here. I'm shocked, right? What? No. Wherever they want to take you, it's no longer that you're headed in a direction that you want to be headed. You're at the mercy of the waves. And I, I actually looked up, I like to look up things in a lot of different versions, right? So I get the whole picture. And actually, in one of the versions, this word for um, listen very carefully is fascinating because it actually says keep a firm grip. And I was like, ah, oh, there it is, right? If I could just combine all the versions, it would basically say, here's your fundamental teachings of the gospel and of the Bible. Hold on to them, take a firm grip, and don't drift in the wrong direction. Good, let's do it. All right, so the question being, what exactly causes me to drift? Well, let me throw out some ideas of things that cause us to drift, right? Um, the, the interesting thing for me this is that we're so different, right? We're as different as our genetic genome can possibly take us. And so the things that make us drift are as different as we are. So I didn't put anything else on this slide, and I d did this on purpose because the question isn't what causes generally everyone to drift, the question is, what causes you to drift? And I'm going to kind of go through some things that are general, but the only thing that should be in, in your notes, in your heart, is what it is inside of you. What causes you to drift? So I'm going to pray for us before we do this. Um, Lord, I just, I thank you for this opportunity, this opportunity to um, put our focus back on you. And Lord, at this point, uh, we're going to look at the things that pull us away from you and cause us to drift. And Lord, you say that everything is naked before you. You see everything. It's not hidden from you. Too often, though, we hide it from ourselves. And so, Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes and help us to see the things uh, that maybe we should start paddling against. I pray these things in your name. Amen. All right, so hey, let me clarify, because everyone drifts. So I don't want you to think, oh, crud, this is all about, no. Okay, we all drift. Um, and it's, it's, it happens because it's so easy, right? It's so easy to just stop. It's so easy to get tired. It's so easy to decide, I don't want to fight anymore, right? But that's not what God's calling us to. So some things that can cause us to drift, obviously those sins, that, those little pet sins that we have that we think, I, it's okay. I know I do this a lot, but... I got this one under control, right? And, and we think we have it under control. We genuinely believe this um, until the day some of them end up turning into full-on addictions and we no longer have control of them and we end up on the shoreline. We've drifted so far. And then we've got to figure out how to get back and we're going to need a lot of help. But, but we're not there. So then we say, it's okay because it's just my little pet's in and I, it hasn't taken me that far yet. I'm good. I'm good. And rather than abandoning that sin, we kind of keep it in our back pocket. What about fear? Uh, fear of the unknown. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen if I follow God that way. Or fear of the known. 
I've done that before, and I didn't like it, so I don't really want to go that way either. Um, fear of other people's opinions. What are they going to think of me? And we stop, and we don't paddle, because I don't know what everybody else is going to think of me. It's paralyzing. Know that we're so addicted to things that they're actually starting to do studies on our phones. We have so many addictions in our society now. We're actually considered an addictive society because we cannot put our phones down. There's like zombie jokes about the phones. Um, and, uh, but the thing about it is that they're all right in our hand. And it's so easy. It's actually easier to get on that phone and to worry about all the things that are on that phone, everything. Porn is sitting right there. Everybody else's opinion is sitting right there, right? All of the information I could possibly want in the world is sitting right there in my hand on my phone. It, th I saw a thing, and it, it was Psalms 121, which says, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. And they were like, I don't know if that's true in our world today. They were like, I feel like it's more like I drop my eyes to my phone. Where does my help come from? Google. <laughs> right? And I was like, oh, it's so true. We don't turn to God first. We're like, uh, ooh, I don't know what to do about that. Let me see here. Right? Myself included. Or I call my friends first. I don't call God first. Right? Um, burnout can cause us to drift. We're doing things that we weren't supposed to be doing anymore, or if we're trying to do them on our own power. Worry, worry and stress. We don't even need to talk about that. Uh, there's a loss of hope that can cause us to drift, and we can lose hope for a variety of reasons. But if things just don't change, or if we fail too often. We've all done this with our New Year's resolutions, right? How many times have you tried? This year, I'm going to get healthy. This is the year. And then it falls apart. Yeah, I was talking to the youth group, and they were like, no, that's not even a goal anymore because I know I won't do it. And I was like, oh, that's great. But they were being honest about it, right? So you have to take it. Um, but sometimes we fail so often that we lose the hope of, of even that ever becoming something that we can accomplish through the power of Christ. Um, other people can really make us drift. Have you ever been in a kayak and a boat goes by? Right? And it's usually a big giant boat with these wakes that are ginormous and they hit your kayak and you, you actually have to turn your boat into the wake so it doesn't topple you. Um, other people's boats can affect us and can send us off course. Uh, meh, the meh situation, boredom, right? M-E-H is meh. Okay. Um, boredom in our lives, I think, can lead to boredom in our spiritual lives. Where's that coming from? Oh, okay. Hi. Um, doubt, I think, for me, is one of the biggest ones. Um, when we go through hard times or when we're doing things and we we start to wonder, God, where were you in that situation? And, and I always have this image because God's been challenging me lately, like, are you kidding um, that I wasn't right in that boat with you when that happened? Like, I'm a, 
I'm a good father. And, and I have this image of, have you ever seen like a parent holding a kid and they're walking by and then like the sprinklers come on and they come on suddenly and, and out of nowhere. And then the parent is all, ah, and they shield the child, right? And then they go off and the parents got like water everywhere. And what is the kid doing? They got like two drops on their head and they're like, ah, screaming their head off because they got wet. And God keeps telling me that's what I'm doing in your life. Remember when your dad died? There was an entire church that took you in and prayed with you and walked through it, right? Remember when the the snow came and we lost half the trees on our property and half of the lower barn and all of these other things? How many horses died? Not one. How much business did you lose? None. None of these things, right? He's just challenging me to say, look, I understand you doubt and you're doubting my goodness in these things. Take a look at what I did that was good in the middle of it. Let's see here. Oh, then there's our culture. Uh, Our culture has decided that they can tell us anything they want to about sex, gender. Uh, They can define who God is. They can define what love is. They can define any of these things the way that they want to define them, and we are supposed to just accept this, right? No, we're supposed to walk over to our paddle and say, oh wait, there's only two genders. Yep, there they are, male and female. And God made them in the beginning. And he doesn't make mistakes. He never has and he never will. And he loves me to the deepest core of who I am. If I could hold, get a hold of that, take a hold of that, put my paddle in the water and I can walk right through this life. Because I know that the God who made the universe made me. But our tech, our over busy lives, and even what we look like in the mirror can cause us to drift away from the truth of what God's telling us. So, <coughs> Just in case one or two of those are ways that you drift away from Christ. Um, Great in good news. There's actually several ways that we can stop drifting, right? Preventing drift. So it starts out in uh, Hebrews 3, and then it's like there's stuff in Hebrews 4, and then there's stuff in Hebrews 5, and there's stuff in Hebrews 10, and 11, and 12, and it just keeps going. So you have to read all of Hebrews if you would like to know all of them. So I just highlighted just three of them because they really fit this idea of the kayak, okay? So in Hebrews 3, he says, be careful then, dear brothers and sisters, make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving turning you away from the living God. The step one for us is to be super alert and super aware. If I was sitting in this kayak and I said, hey, I wonder if I'm drifting. How would I know if I'm drifting? I'm gonna look out, I'm gonna see. Oh, I used to be by that and now I'm over here, right? I have moved away from the truth. I have moved away from something that is going on. So the first thing is to make sure that my own heart has not drifted. And I really need to look at that. I, and how do I know? I know if I've drifted because we've got the Bible to tell us the truth. And it should be firmly in our hands. And if it's firmly in our hands, we hear a message, we say, nope, that is not that. Step two 
warn each other every day while it's still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. We got to be in community. We have to be with each other. We have to help each other not to drift. I can't do it on my own. I'm not going to notice that I only moved 20 feet over here. I walk that far in 30 seconds every day. Okay, um, but I may not notice that I'm over here, and I've kind of wandered over here and stayed over here. But my friend who's over there is like, hey, I've missed you, right? You're over there. I have a question. Do you think that this habit that you've gotten into, do you think this is a healthy one? Or do you think it's pulling you away? Right? And then we have to be willing, obviously, to say, ooh, yeah, and to look at ourselves and say, it's true, I have wandered, I have drifted. But then all I gotta do is grab hold of that truth again and paddle back over to my friends, right? Sounds easy, I know it's a lot harder sometimes. <laughs> sometimes we get way off. Um, the other part that works really well is Hebrews 12. And in Hebrews 12, uh, whoever was writing Hebrews, it's conflicting now, um, is switched it over to a running race from everything and he's and so he's like we're running this race and I was thinking okay we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus the champion who initiates and perfects our faith and I'm thinking no <laughs> no a race I can really look down and I'll be just fine right I can look down and I can follow that path and everything's okay when I'm running however when I am kayaking if I am not looking up I am not going to end up where I would like to go. I cannot tell you how many times I have been kayaking and it just always goes, it's always to the left for me because I'm dominantly right-handed, right? And I'm pretty soon I'm wandering off to the left because it's every single time that I'm paddling, I got a little more strength on that right hand, right? So if I don't look to the place, fix my eyes on the place where I wanna go and keep my eyes up, I'm not going to end up over there. And that's what he's talking about when he says you fix your eyes on Jesus. You don't say, you don't come in Sunday morning and go, oh yeah, Jesus was telling me to do this. I remember now because I was sitting in that service and I was reminded. And then you get back in your boat and you head home and you're like, oh yeah, no, oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And you're gone. If I asked you the next day, you'd be like, I don't remember what, no. What was God telling me? I don't know. I got to do this. All right. This is what we do. And he's saying, no, fix your eyes. Look up, consistently look up. Does that mean we never look down? No, we look down, we look back up. We look down, we look back up. We fix our eyes on Jesus to keep us on that path in the direction we wanna go and where we wanna end up. The idea here is that this is fully intentional. We are taking intentional actions to not drift we are grabbing hold of the fundamental truths of the gospel. We are using them in the waters that we live in. And we are keeping ourselves fixed on Jesus, following Jesus in that path. I love this image, I think most of all, because you know how you teach, when you teach a kid, you teach a kid, if you wanna tell them where to go, you gotta get down at their level so that you can point Right? Have you ever pointed to something? It's over there! And your kid's down here, and they're like, where? And they can't find it anywhere, right? But you get down on their level, and you get down with them, and you say, okay, do you see that right there? And they can look right down your arm. And then you can say, okay, that's where we're headed. 
And this is what Jesus does. We say, yes, Jesus, I want you to, I want you to come into my life. I want to be a Christian. I want to live my life with you. And he says, oh my gosh, look at this. I have this huge lake. It's phenomenal. There are so many things on this lake that you are going to love. Over in that cove, there's this, and that cove, there's this. And oh, we're going to visit all of them. And he says, I'm going to get in the boat with you. So here we go. Okay, are you ready? Yeah, okay, wait, you should hold on to these. And keep hold of them. He hands them to you. And then he pushes you off the shore and climbs in the boat with you. And the whole time that you're wandering through this, he's sitting there whispering in your ear, oh, we should go over there. Oh my gosh, did you see that bird? Wasn't that amazing? Wasn't that phenomenal? He's telling you these things, these ways that you can enjoy being out on the lake with him. And when I'm out on the lake, and I'm in the middle of the lake, this is why I kayak all the time. I can hear his voice so clear. Because all those distractions, all those things that cause me to drift, they're stripped away. And they are gone. And I can hear that voice. He says, this is what I want for you every single day of your life. Come to me. I am your treasure. I am your reward. When you are in my presence, this is what you feel. This is who you are. So, number one thing in Hebrews 2 to prevent drift was to listen. The interesting thing is, um, listening, if you actually look it up, has two parts. Listening is not hearing. Listening is hearing and doing. So, when he said, listen very carefully to these fundamental truths. He meant, hear what I am saying and then actually do something about it, right? There are two pieces to it. And then what we're gonna do, you're gonna hear what I'm saying and then you're gonna fix your eyes on what I said. You're gonna fix your eyes on where I said we're headed, what we're doing, right? And then you're gonna keep listening because I'm gonna keep talking to you and it's gonna be sweet. So, um, I have actually made for myself this year, I have decided that 2020 is uh, going to be the year of actual surrender. How many of you know that pastors get up and they say, oh, let's surrender to Jesus, surrender all. And you're like, yeah. And then most of the time, there's actually kind of a spoof on it. There's a spoof online about I surrender all. And and they actually saying, I surrender some. Because <laughs> it's kind of more of the reality. It's like we say, okay, God, I'm going to surrender this and this and this, but I'll keep this one. And I'll keep this one, but you can have this one. And we do this kind of pick and choose surrendering with God. And, and I think that we take it back super fast. We say to God, okay, Jesus, I want you to be in charge. I really do believe that what you've got for me is better than what I think I've got. And then as soon as a wave hits the front of our kayak and it splashes us in the face, we're like, oh no, just kidding. I have a better idea of what should happen. And my idea is significantly better. No, right? And we, and, and we go our own way. So we don't trust him enough to walk through those pieces. So. My challenge, it's kind of a challenge to myself, but it's a challenge to you guys too, is 
You know, there's, we're in a lot of variety of places. Some of us have drifted so far that we've actually ended up on the shore of the lake where we don't really want to be. We're kind of tired of it, right? I'm done. This is, this is dumb, and I'm tired of it. And Jesus is saying, come on, just get back in your kayak and, and, and get back into life with me. I'm here for you. No condemnation. Didn't you ever hear that? No condemnation. I love you. I just want you back. Just got to get back on that boat and get back in those waters with Jesus. Some of us are just drifting a little ways. And we're over here like, oh, yeah. And pastors say something, teachers say something, and we don't think anything of it, right? They say, oh, you know what? You can choose whatever you want on this array of things. And you're going, wait, mm, no, yeah, I think that's true. Some of you, when I said there's only two genders, were like, what? Right? You've drifted. Okay? <laughs> you, you've drifted. And, and so if you're listening to a preacher or a teacher or anyone else, and you're going, what? They said that. Right? Either you've drifted or they've drifted. And either way, you've got to talk to them. Because either you're over here and you need to grab hold of that paddle, or they've gone off. And it's your responsibility to go talk to them. So, so funny. <laughs> right? Some of us are in the sweet spot, right, on that lake with Jesus. And I pray you can stay there and hope it's beautiful. Uh, some of us, uh, the waves are really ripping through. And uh, there's never words for those situations ever except God is holding on to you he's got you he is protecting you please stay in your boat please keep holding on to your paddle because he's right there with you he's in your boat he didn't leave you he didn't abandon you he's in the boat with you and that's beautiful. It's just beautiful. So whatever you need to do, I feel like God's been telling us the same thing over and over again. And whenever he's doing that, it's because we're not listening. So whatever it is that you look at in your own heart and you say, this is what I need to leave behind for this year, or this is where I need to head coming into this new year, ask Jesus. Just say, hey, I was thinking, maybe this is the problem. And he's going to say, yeah, yep, yes, you got that right, right? And okay, then I want to be done with it. I'm going to hand it over to you. I'm going to surrender it to you. And I'm going to go the way you want me to go. This is going to be the year when we get to the end of the year, we're all going to be like, I finally surrendered this to God. And guess what happened? Here's what happened at the end. It's going to be a phenomenal year. It's just that we actually have to do it, actually have to do it. And not every time we take it back, we've got to give it back to God again. You'll notice because all of a sudden you'll be tired and anxious and worried about everything because you've taken it back. Surrender it back to Jesus and say, you are the king. And I believe as king, you know what's best. I'm going to follow you in it because the sweetness of his peace 
is worth every penny.